This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. It's our great pleasure to be here today. Believe me. You know, we've seen Dilip and Nisha when they were, I think before you got married and everything, you know. And somehow, I don't know why or what reason, but for some reason, I, I just, you know, enjoyed the kind of spirit he had about him and about them. And I knew that one day God would do this with them. You know, and I thank God for bringing it to fruition. I thank God for calling him and his wife. Uh, and I thank God for all they are doing in their lives and through their lives. And I know there's going to be much more, much more in store as we go along this journey. You know, it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be wonderful. There's nothing better than serving the Lord. Sorry, uh, guys who have good you know, jobs and other things. But I still say, there's nothing better than serving God. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's a great privilege. I mean, we are not worthy to stand here and, and speak on behalf of that great God. But for some reason, by his mercy and grace, he chooses us and he says, you stand there. And I thank God for that. You know, I always uh, remember God saying, you know, he chooses the foolish to stand before the wise. So I thank God I was foolish that he chose me to stand here and say some things on his behalf. You know, so praise God. And I'm so happy to see many friends, old friends here too, you know, that we missed for many, many years. But... Seeing them is like, you know, as though we just met yesterday, you know. And that's the beauty of the children of God. Those who have, you know, the Lord as their Savior. You may not see each other for many, many years, but the day you meet each other, it's like as though you met yesterday again, you know. There's never a gap or anything like that. Praise God for that. And, you know, when I look at them all day, they all look like the same when I saw them, you know, I think almost nine years ago. And so, you know, it looks like I saw them yesterday. You know? Praise God. Praise God. So it's really, really a great privilege, a great, you know, uh, opportunity for those who have been chosen to serve God. And I would wish and encourage every one of you in every way. See, there's... You don't only have to preach or teach, you know, you can do so many other things. God has given everybody in this room a gift. And he wants us to use this gift for his glory. You know, when we look into, look at the world, there are some, you know, I'm a person who's connected with music since I was young. And I look at all these great singers and musicians around the world, you know. People like, you know, like, uh, say, the Beatles and Elvis Presley. I might, yeah, I don't know about the new things. I'm just talking about the things I know. 
and uh, i think god gave them such talent and it's been wasted it's been wasted but here in this little church somebody comes up and plays the guitar and the drums and i tell you the heavens are rejoicing hallelujah hallelujah there the world may rejoice and clap and you know cheer them on but you have every spiritual being in heaven cheering you on god is so pleased and so uh, you know happy to see his children come up with whatever little gift they have and give unto him so i encourage you all i'm sure you know if you dig deep in you'll find you have gifts you never knew before and it will come forth use it for the glory of god for anything a church of god requires many things believe me many many things many places to be filled in many gaps to be filled in and it's the people of god that will do that amen please don't depend on your pastor or few people to do everything help come in with your gifts and talents bless the church bless the children of god you will never know who has been blessed by what you do maybe a time will come when you will suddenly you know get to know it but that doesn't matter what matters is that we give you know and so i'm just so thrilled to be here you know so happy to be here for many reasons of course you know yeah and uh, praise god that we are here and we're going to rejoice and enjoy and i and i loved all the the musicians and the music and the worship and all of that you know oh my gosh it's so wonderful just to see you know uh people excited to sing praise worship or do something for god because the world is not excited about these things no the world at church oh uh, we will see some other time but for us here just seeing youngsters and others coming forward and you know saying okay we're going to do this and we're going to do that fabulous amazing wonderful and please continue on grow stronger don't get dimmer get brighter as you walk along amen sometimes you know sometimes when we have walked a long journey with the lord we tend to get a little laid back you know then the rocking chair comes out the legs go up all that stuff but god says no you know when moses walked the bible says he was like a young man strong 120 something years old strong young and you know sharp of wit everything and they lived in a time when they walked around everywhere you know wilderness and all we are fortunate to have cars and bikes and good roads and comfortable things right they didn't have it but he was strong healthy vibrant you know doing everything god had to tell him okay look moses enough now come on you i have to put you to sleep <laughs> poor fellow you know yeah he could have gone on i think for another i don't know 100 years or so but when god had finished his work take him away you know so praise god for all of you who this is not my message okay this is just what i feel in my heart you know and i'm so happy and glad to see these things happening because 
Sadly, a lot of youth, youngsters, people of God are fading away in the churches. I know, I know that it's not something we like to hear, but it's the truth. And it's our duty to exhort them, to pick them up, to provoke them to good things, if you have to. But it's our duty, and we must. If we fail in this, we are failing in a big way. You know, the, you know I always say this, and it makes me laugh sometimes, because the Bible talks, it lists, you know, all the sins, you know, there are chapters where they list all the sins, you know, on, and you read and say, oh my God, all these things. No, I, I don't do all those things. But the Bible says, if you know there is something good to do and you don't do it, it is a sin unto you. Wow. That really, you know, it, it, I, it, I'm so frightened by that, that I'm always aware of that. That if there's something good I know I should do, I have to do it. Because if I don't, it's a sin to me, the Bible says. So, you know, we have to be cautious and careful in our lives, in our walk. And uh, like we always hear, probably you've all heard many times over, but it's so true. People will rather read you than read the scriptures. People will rather watch you than hear preaching, teaching, all of those things. And how we walk can either save a soul or not. You know, we don't want to be like those, like the Bible says, blind leading the blind, and they all fall into a ditch or something. We want to be those who the Bible says are a testimony amongst the believers. We've got to be a testimony. Somebody that people should say, hey, how come these guys have this thing? And how come this happens for them? And how come that happens for them? And they will be encouraged to rise up to your levels if necessary. And we will be encouraged to rise up to Paul's level. As Paul says, follow me, you know, so as I follow Christ. And then in time, we will rise up to Christ's level. Because God has called us to that. It's not impossible. Sometimes I hear people saying, you know, Pastor, but you know, I am just, you know, a housewife. I just have a job. I go to work, come back. I don't have time. You know, I'm so old now. So, you know, uh, that may be for the world. Yes, in the world, all of those things will matter. But in the church of God, it will not. Because the church of God has the authority and power to rise up as young ones. You know that famous scripture that says, He who waits upon the Lord, what will happen to him? Huh? Yeah, he will renew his strength. How will he renew his strength? Not by exercising in the gym or stuff like that. He will renew his strength by God's word. Walking by it. Doing it every day. Confessing it every day. You know, preaching it. You know, evangelizing. Whatever may be the ways. He will renew his strength. He will run, not be weary. He will walk and not faint. And that's the truth. See, we've got to take ourselves... 
out of our natural state that we live in into that spiritual state that we have been given life to live. And you know, I always, I, I constantly remind my church and people, you know, there's something we have to pay very close attention to. Sometimes we can, you know, we do all the right things, say all the right things, but we miss out on some important issues that could help us every day. And one of the things, very important things, is we must never forget that this man that is born again, spirit-filled, is also a carnal man. We have a carnal side to us and a spirit side to us that is alive. And every day we fight this battle of the spirit man and the carnal man. When you're aware of that, then what happens is, every time some situation arises, automatically a carnal man is going to say something, but you'll stop him and say, no, I want to hear what my spirit man has to say. I want to hear what he is going to tell me to do. And he will tell you what God's word wants for you at that time. It's very important. Because anything, whatever, maybe a decision, maybe a work, maybe family, maybe a sickness, maybe uh, 101 things. But we are so trained in this world to live in this world that we naturally allow the carnal man to say first. You know, to give you a simple example, I got a pain in my side. What do I do? a pain in my head, let's go. Uh, which doctor? That guy's a good fellow. That hospital's a good doctor. They have good treatment for whatever, you know, go and check it out. See, this is the natural reaction. But the spirit man says, wait a second, your God is a God that healeth you. By his stripes you are healed, he says. He did not take those stripes and enjoy them. He took them so that you and I would receive healing. Hallelujah. And so I say, no, I won't go to the doctor. I'm going to say, Lord, I thank you for my healing and I receive it in Jesus' name. And then it doesn't end there. Because I'm not going to receive what I feel and see, but I'm going to receive what I believe. And I'm going to walk with that pain in my side. And I'm going to talk with that pain in my side. And I'm going to do everything in the day with the pain in my side. And suddenly there'll be no pain in my side. Hallelujah. Because that's how God works. That's how his word comes to be in our lives. We must utilize God's word for our lives. Otherwise, you know, we are wasting away our days. We are wasting away opportunity. We are wasting our blessings. We are wasting so many things that God has so wonderfully prepared for us. You know, when we started the meeting, our sister Nisha said, he's the king. The king who rules, whose word is final. Nobody argues with him. Right? His word is law. And he has already proclaimed in that law for us certain things that only you and I can say amen to and receive it. 
we sang that song there is no greater greater god right no greater god there's nobody greater nobody is greater we know that he is final alpha and omega there's nothing else right and all of these things tell us about our god how great he is who he is how awesome magnificent and you know all powerful but god's word also tells us how to relate to those things and that's very important so we have to constantly be aware of this carnal man don't allow him to speak don't allow him to walk don't allow him to talk you say you just keep your mouth shut and your time has ended Amen. for my spirit man is alive now Amen. and he is going to lead me and guide me and his path is the word of god You know, often I hear people saying, Pastor, but what is God's will for my life? I said, read the word of God. It'll tell you what is God's will for your life. Yeah, we, we want God to suddenly open the heaven and say, okay, I'm telling you this. He's not going to do that. He's already done and spoken. You know, the Bible says in the old days, in those times of things, God spoke through his prophets. No? No? and in those days because there was no the, the lord had not died and risen the spirit of god was not yet given except to few that god chose the prophets were sent to bring correction and to bring direction and to bring uh, uh, you know forth god's miraculous miraculous power healings and all those things but then it says but in these days god has spoken through his son end of story he has spoken through his son whatever his son has spoken is for you and me to take hold of that's it now if you and i don't take hold of it we can't say we can't blame god we cannot blame god you know we see unfortunately there are many things you know i mean i know some of you might get a little surprised if i say this but you know think about it we often love to say my god is in control no problem man tomorrow my tomorrow is in god's hands we like to say that because it feels good it assures me that you know well whatever happens god is in control but like we heard he is the king there's no greater he is not in control of your life he reigns over all things you are in control of your life God has given ability to the church and to you and to me to make our ways prosperous and strong and powerful and receive everything. But when we are lazy to stand on God's word, we say God is in control. So whatever happens, we'll blame him in the end. Or it just happened, yeah, God, I don't know, maybe he didn't want to give me, you know. No. The word of God says that he will provide all your needs. every need that you have god will provide when i believe in that scripture receive it confess it and then walk by the knowledge of it then all those things will be mine but if i'm too lazy or if i'm 
There are sometimes because of that laziness, we don't have the faith to stand in that. Then what happens? Let's blame God. But you know, God has equipped us. I'm telling you, the church of God is so powerful. If only we would have the right, you know, spirit man rule, this world will change like this. I mean, see, everything is, is in the gospel. Take the, take the time when Jesus walked on this earth. He was the same Jesus that is today. The same Jesus that is with you and me. The same spirit of God that is with you and me. What did he do? He healed the blind, the lame, the deaf, the dumb, the sick, the dead, the palsied, delivered, the demon possessed, told the wind and the sea, you be calm and you listen to me. And they were quiet. And you know, I'm thinking, God said, not only will you do those things I did, but greater. I say, Lord, just let me do what you did. I'll be very happy. <laughs> no? But you know, we are failing in our understanding of what God has given us. Bible says, uh, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Not knowledge of the world. Knowledge of God's ways in our lives. Knowledge of the word he has provided us to rule over all things. I mean, take the apostles. Okay, let's leave Jesus aside. Take the apostles. A time came, people were bringing people, sick people out, just so that Peter's shadow would go over them. Unbelievable. But that's not changed. That's not changed. It's still the same if you and I can rise up to the place that Peter was. If we could change the way Peter changed. Peter denied Christ. Peter did all sorts of foolish things. One time Jesus told him, get away from me, Satan. Poor Peter, he must have got a fright of his life. <laughs> he thought Jesus loved him so much, you know, because Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood had not revealed to you. But my father in heaven, Peter must have said, ha, I am the best of all. And then Jesus turned around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. But that Peter changed drastically. You and I are the same. We may have denied Christ sometime. We may have said something stupid. But God is restoring us through his word. It's our duty to read the word. To learn how to conduct our lives. So like Peter, one day we will say, Silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, get up. Oh. When I think of that, you know, it's the most amazing thing. Because in today's world, if a beggar came to you and you said, silver and paisa nahi hai hamara paas, so I don't have money. He'll look, I'll give you what I have, but he'll say, what else do you have, man, that's of value. What else is there of value that you have? You know, he'll probably turn and walk away. They don't have anything. But we have something even far greater. I mean, all the gold, silver in the world would have done nothing for that crippled man. He may have eaten better, maybe slept in a better home. He would have still been crippled. But when Peter spoke, he got his life back. Oh my God, I can't imagine him. He must have run and walked and run and walked the rest of his life because, you know, he never did it so many years before. So God has equipped us, given us. It's our duty to get into God's word, learn it, confess it, 
every day over our lives, our family, our home, our work, our, whatever it concerns us, our friends, our anything. We have to confess the word that has been given, the promises given, because it says no matter how many promises there are, they are. But what happens then? The amen, so be it, has to be spoken by you and me. That's where our faith makes it happen. Amen. We have to say, Amen, Lord, and it's going to happen now. Right. Otherwise, it will just remain there. That's right. That's right. We can't do that. I'm saying, you know, please don't miss out on your blessings every day. Because maybe you are little lazy to go and find the scripture that promises something or maybe because you've got other things to do you know I've got to go to work or I've got to go visit this one that one or I've got to do something else more important there is nothing more important than your blessings that God has kept in store for you and me every day I even go as far as you know people say uh, there's the gift of healing no, you get sick. We just heard that God is our healer, right? By my stripes you are healed and it's very wonderful. It's an amazing gift given to the church. But I say, if you walk in line with God's word each day and every day, you will never need the gift of healing. You will be healthy always. Like Moses was healthy always. And many others through the scriptures and even till today. You don't have to be, we don't have to get sick. We get sick because sometimes we're lazy or sometimes we, uh, well, I'll go to church and ask pastor to pray. Never forget, the same spirit of God is in you that's in everybody else. He's not less in you and more in me. Sometimes we come and say, oh, we have this highly anointed man of God coming. For me, it makes no sense. I don't understand that line at all. Highly anointed meaning what? Has, is the Holy Spirit taller in him? Bigger in him than me? What is the meaning of that? Highly anointed man of God. What actually makes that sentence come to life is that he applies more faith to God's word than you and I. That's what makes the difference. And we see it as a so to console ourselves, we said, he's highly anointed. We are not so highly anointed. <laughs> yeah? But that's not true. We are as anointed. The same anointing is in every single one of us. To do the works of God. To bless our lives, to bless our homes, our families, our friends, and everything else. Our church. It's in us. And God is saying, I want you to stand up. And do what is good. You know, believers, unfortunately, sometimes what happens is we, we are afraid to stand apart. You know, when, you know, like, say, say, say there's a gathering of something happening. And then there's a little stage and then somebody says, a speaker comes up. And he stands on the stage. What happens? Everybody in the congregation's eyes turn to the stage. Oh, somebody's going to say something. You and I have to be like that. Every eye has to turn and look at you. That's right. Right. And wonder, That's right. why is it that you are 
better off, happier, peaceful, healthy, prosperous, more than me. What is the reason? They must come and ask you. They must inquire of you. What is it that you have? I've got everything this world needs. Why are you more, uh, you know, at peace than me? Hallelujah. You know, we just had a brother in our church who went to be with the Lord a week ago. And uh, they called me and said, so-and-so brother has gone to be with the Lord. I said, okay. I said, we'll, I'll come over and see you. So when we went over to their place, they were all gathered. And they have some relatives who are, unfortunately, who are also, you know, uh, pastors and others of the church and all sitting together and all weeping and you know he did like this and you know he did like that but he was always like this but he was so sweet and you know and I said hey hang on a second I said you are the guys who used to always complain about him to me now he's going to be with the Lord you're afraid so you're saying he was good you're saying he was a nice fellow when every time you complain to me, Pastor, this fellow is doing like this and he's doing like that. I said, get out of the natural mode of mourning. But the Bible says, you and I don't mourn like the world. We don't mourn like the world. I said, it is a great time of rejoicing. He has finished his race, gone to be with the Lord. You and I are still struggling. We still got, we got to hope and pray and walk and confess to reach that place. I said, what are you all, you know, moping and moaning and everybody's adding to that thing, you know? So we had to really jerk them out of that, you know, natural method or way of mourning and bring them into the, you know, the reality of the spirit and the true things of God. Right. Otherwise, we're going to go down. You know, there's a fabulous scripture verse which I love so much, you know? Especially for us in this world. Because it says, Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You know what that cross was, the doing of the cross? You, and, you know, I don't have to tell you. It was an amazing, terrible thing that he had to endure. People told me, you know, oh, he was beaten, they pulled his beard, they whipped him with something, and they poked him with this and that, and poor Jesus, you know, Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. How badly he must have suffered. I said, that was not the suffering. That was not the suffering. The suffering was a pure and holy God had to become sin for you and me. That is why when he was praying, he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass by me. But then he stopped. He said, no, yet not my will, but your will be done. The pain of becoming sin for a pure and holy God was greater than he could bear. It was greater than the Father could even see. You know, there's a time on the cross when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And whenever he spoke to his apostles, he said, my father is with me and I say what my father says and he is with me and he talks with me and he goes with me. When he came to Lazarus' tomb, he said, I thank you, father, you've already heard me. That same Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? A moment, 
just a temporary moment because the bible says god is of purer eyes than to even look upon iniquity so you know we have to bring ourselves out of the world and get into the spirit realm the scripture that i chose to speak today you know is i'll, I'll tell you from matthew 7 Verses 13 and 14. And it says there. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Or the narrow gate. The narrow way. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many be there that go. Because straight or narrow is the gate. Which leads to life. a few be there who find it a few you know today is a sunday church day we are seated here how many people here if you, if it was if it was not a lockdown and you went to the mall or the, the theaters you would find thousands of people gathered there a few have chosen the right place while the majority chooses something else but we have to we have to constantly remind ourselves when it talks about a narrow way that we are walking you know i like to look at it like this we are walking the tight rope you know what a tight rope is the rope you know these guys tie from one place to another and then they balance and walk over it you know with a big stick and things we are as christians in this world walking a tight rope our whole concentration has to be on up where we are walking not on anything around us not on anything about us we've got to keep the word your word o oh lord is a light and lamp to my feet and my path that's my favorite verse in the whole bible psalm 119 verse 5 you know why because it told me something when it said your word is a light and lamp to my feet and path it said to me the reason being all the world around you is darkness you can only see by god's word where you are walking and that's the narrow path the narrow way that we've got to choose we've got to walk we've got to be bold we've got to be courageous we've got to be strong as christians to walk that path it's very easy to walk the broad path very easy you'll have 100 people pushing you along You won't even have to walk they'll carry you along that path if you choose it. But the narrow path you have to walk and you have to choose every day we have to choose. We cannot be people who are complacent or or lazy sometimes or you know uh, just you know not in the zone as they say. We can't afford it because we are going to lose out on many things and never forget. Never forget. your adversary my adversary the devil is a roaring lion waiting to devour who he may he can't devour who he wants to who he may if i give him the opportunity he's going to attack you you know I, like i like to say it like this you know if uh, uh, you know there's a a group of 
of tourists going into the forest and the guide says, come, come, I'll show you something. And he's taking a sunny day, hear this roar of a lion, you know, and everybody starts running. He said, hang on, hang on, don't run, don't run, don't. come, 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 come and see. And he comes there and they see this huge lion chained to a huge tree with a big chain around its neck. Suddenly, those same tourists, how sweet, how cute, taking pictures. The fear has gone. Why? Because they know the lion is bound. It's the roar that makes us afraid. And if we are not in the spirit, the roar will make you run for cover. We've got to be careful. We are not afraid. He is bound. He can do nothing unless we allow him. And if we choose to walk the narrow path, a path of full concentration, a path that we are conscious of and taking care of, not looking left, right, this side, that side, nothing. I tell you, you will walk a path of power, authority, and great signs and wonders. That's what God has in store for you and me. We are not ordinary people. We may feel like, you know, nobody's in this world, but we are not ordinary people. Every spiritual thing fears and trembles at us. Every spiritual thing knows who you are by name, where you stay, who's your family, where you work, everything. We are not ordinary people. And if we start acting like ordinary people, we are letting God down. We are letting our father down. You know, the son of a king, a prince, he doesn't walk around saying, oh, nobody has this thing. He walks around like he's the owner of the whole land. He's the king. Because he knows who his father is. We somehow, sometimes, somewhere forget who our father is. And we fall into that natural realm that says, hey, you're nobody, man, go sit down quietly. When you want something, you go to pastor and ask him. So for that time that you're waiting for pastor to pray for you, he's had a great time over your life, over your situation, your circumstances and everything. And only when he comes to pastor, then he says, anyway, I had a good time now, it's okay, I'll go now. <laughs> but that's not how it should be. We have victory every moment of every day. In every place, in everything, over everything. The authority that God gave the church is something so amazing that, you know, people will never understand it. People cannot understand it. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Oh my God. Nobody even knows what heaven is like. God is saying, what you say, honor there. Oh my gosh, that tells me that I have a lot of authority and power in my tongue. When I say something, oh boy, these demons, evil spirits better well run and move or they're in trouble. Yeah, that's how it is. That narrow path is a path we must choose to walk. You won't be pushed along it. You won't be, you know, this thing, what you should say, like, you know, carried along. You have to choose to walk along with those who are walking. That's what God requires from us. You know, we often say, you know, you know that phrase, 
don't talk the talk, walk the walk, you know. And uh, I like to say, talk the walk. Oh, sorry, walk the talk. Don't talk the walk. We got to walk the talk. In other words, we don't practice what we preach. We preach what we practice. <laughs> you know why? Because when you walk according to God's ways, it becomes very easy for you to tell somebody else. You're experiencing something and you can boldly tell the next man. If you receive uh, a miracle, you can stand up anywhere and boldly say what you received. Nobody can refute you. But if you study something and try to explain, you know, without any experience, chances are you may, you know, get caught up in your words or something else. So it's very important that we live the life Christ called us to so we can talk about it to others with assurance, conviction, and with boldness. That's the thing we have to, you know, keep in mind at all times. You know, as we spoke about this Broadway and Narrowway, there's something I like to add in there. You know, the world likes to say, especially today, come on, guys, you got to be a little broad-minded. Right? Cultures are changing, fashions are changing, times have changed. Be a little broad-minded. That's what the devil is telling us. No. We are going to be narrow-minded. You know, I don't know how many of you know about horses when they run on a track. Sometimes, some horses can't run in a crowd. So they put blinkers onto them, what they call blinkers. That they can't see what's at the side. They can only look in front. We've got to put on those blinkers and walk in that straight line. Yeah, we've got to walk in that straight line. We've got to have a narrow mind that says, no, this is what the word of God says. Yes, absolutely. Because the world will tell us 101 things that sounds good and sounds right. But we say by the word of God, no, that's not what God's word says. Yes. Many things there are which sound right in the world, which feel right in the world. You know, like, let me give you an example. Maybe some of you might uh, get a little uh, Perturbed by this, but I'm going to say, take your time, think over it, you know, uh, meditate over it and see what God says to you. You know, a lot of people say, ask us, brother, have you got a life insurance done? I say, I say, yes. <laughs> but it's not the life insurance you're talking about. <laughs> so they say, no, no, when you get older, no. Supposing you get older and then you need something to fall back on and you need some kind of assurance to take care of you. I said, I have all that and more. But what you're talking about is different because it's not life insurance. So he looked at me and said, what do you mean it is? I said, no, it's not. I said, life insurance means that you insure me that I will live a good life. That's not what you're doing. You're in showing me that if when I die, somebody else will get my money. I said, I don't want that. If I have the money, I'm going to enjoy it myself. What would I give somebody else who hasn't worked for it? You know, but my insurance is in the Lord 
who says, do not worry about tomorrow. If we put our trust in this life insurance on earth, it will come upon us. Old age will come upon us. Sickness will come upon us. Seclusion will come upon us. But if you put your trust in God, He will be there till the day He takes you to be with Him. This is a guarantee. Not from me. I'm not an agent. I'm only a servant of God telling you what He's saying. The company of God's insurance is saying, trust in me. That's what we have to do. If we allow our minds to go into the natural world, those things will come upon you. People say, you have to have medical insurance, no? Supposing you get sick. I said, supposing I get sick means what? I'm already planning for the future to get sick. I will get sick. But I say, I'm not going to be sick because the word of God is helped to my bones, flesh, spirit, and marrow. I will not get sick. I don't receive it in Jesus' name. And if by chance I do fall sick, then God will heal me because he has given me the healing. He has taken my sickness on the cross of Calvary. My mother-in-law is 85 years old. She happened to eat some fruit which was a little overripe and she started to vomit and the strain of vomiting gave her a heart attack. Very severe heart attack. And, uh, you know, we, we don't have, we don't know any doctors, we don't know any hospitals, we have never been to a doctor in our lives, never been to hospitals in our lives, so we don't know anything about these things. So I called a friend, I said, look, my mom's had a heart attack, what should I do? He said, take her to so-and-so hospital. So I said, okay, I took her there. And then the uh, doctor said, oh, we have to do this, this, and something. They did and all. And he said, you know, she's got a severe heart attack. She has 2% chance of survival. 2% chance of survival. And he said, it's so massive that a 25-year-old would have died. I'm surprised she's alive. I said, so what do we have to do now? He said, well, we have to operate and put this and do this and that and that. So I said, one second. Can you guarantee me she'll be alive after that? He said, no. I said, then what are you telling me? No, but that's the only outcome. I said, no, that's not the only way. I said, you do one thing. You do whatever normal things you have to do. We are praying. If the Lord wants to take her, it's okay. Her time has run. Or then he will heal her and bring her back to us. So he didn't understand what I said, but he said, okay. And you know, they gave us saline and something and let us sit in a chair. Within one hour, everything was normal. And he's looking at that ECG and whatever those things are, you know, that they check the heart thing. He's looking at this, looking at that. And they're saying, how, how, why? Everything's normal, normal. How did it happen? And my mom, uh, my mother-in-law, she's looking at me. Son, I'm okay. Let's go home. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, doctor, she wants to go home. He said, look. Now, this is the words of the doctor who was a Muslim doctor. He said to me, he said, you know, Please let us stay one night so that we can be a part of this miracle. Hallelujah. This is what a Muslim doctor confessed. And you know, I'm thinking, I said, you know, if only you knew the Lord, you wouldn't need all these things. You could have had this hall and just brought them in and prayed over them and everything would have been fine. I mean, it's not bad to, you know, have doctors. It's good to have doctors and all. But I'm saying, you know, 
we have God first. First God. Then if your faith cannot stand, go to a doctor. But try God first. Try his word first. See, we have to learn to improve our faith. None of us have that faith just when the day we got saved. We have a gift of faith, small thing. We have to grow it. By experiencing. We try something once. We try it twice. We try it ten times. Still never happens. We try it twenty times. It doesn't happen. But the twenty-first time it will happen. And after that, it will never happen again. We have to do that. Otherwise, we are just walking, you know, through this world, ambling through, like they say, you know, strolling. Well, I go, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, when we are in Pune, we go uh, to the race course for a little walk, you know, to keep a little fit, that's all. Bible says, a little exercise profit, so it's okay, you know. All right, so I go for a walk, and I go for, and everybody comes there to exercise, like, you know, to walk or run or jog. And I see people with their phones, Ah, they have, uh, have uh, and they, I said, what exercise are you doing? You're wasting your time. Don't come here. Because they're doing nothing. They're getting nothing. And if we are getting nothing, then there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. If I'm not receiving from God's word every day, something is wrong with me. Not with God, not with the church, not with the pastor, not with my brother, not with my mother, father, or anybody else. With me. And when I say something's wrong with me, then I can start to make correction. Till I point at somebody else, I will never make correction. God is calling us to correction. You know, we, I, I heard that beautiful, I was, I, was, I was laughing actually when I heard it. Because of the thing. And uh, something was going on saying that, uh, uh, what is it? There was something you sang or something that caught my attention on these lines, you know, that, uh, you know, something is wrong with me. So anyway, I think it slipped my mind. You got to excuse me sometimes. Okay, I get so excited that, you know, Sometimes it, things slip our mind. But anyway, we'll carry on. And I just want to say, we must know and confess and be careful to check and see if we are right or wrong. Because when I, when I check myself, only I know what is wrong with me. See, I can put on a good front for everybody else. You might look at me and say, what a wonderful man of God. He's so this and that. Come home and see how I am. If I'm the same at home, then you can say that. But if there's not the same thing happening in my home, in the seclusion of my home, then I'm putting on a front. And only I know that. Nobody else knows it. I can fool everybody else. But I can't fool my God. You know, I always say, I love to say that. I can't fool two people in this world. My God and myself. You know, I can't fool them because I know what I am. I know my failings. I know where I fall short. And if I am honest with myself, I can make correction. If I'm not honest, then I try to point at somebody else. Oh, but see, they are doing like that. Oh, she is doing like that. So it's much bigger than what I'm doing, so I'm okay. <laughs> no, I'm not okay. If I want to see miracle signs, wonder the power of God in my life, then I've got to make correction to my walk. 
I have to. That's the only way I can go forward. Otherwise, I'll never move forward. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, changing cultures and fashions, okay, all that is happening. That does not mean that we have to go along with it. See, the word of God is the same that was of old times. It hasn't changed. No fashions have changed. No culture, these things have changed. It's the same. Doing the same work it did then to you and me now also. But the world is saying we are changing. World is saying we are changing. Well, we've got to know where to draw the line. It's not wrong to, you know, be fashionable, but you must be modest. It's not wrong to, you know, uh, love a culture that you may have grown up in. But the day you are born again, you have to know that everything about you has changed. We are, I don't know how many kinds of people in this room, but we are all from one family, one culture, one way of life, one word of God, one God, one everything. We change. We are not going to go back into the old things. We happen to do that because, and sometimes under pressure, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, fathers or grandfathers and grandmothers, and, you know, then we get pressurized to say no to them because we feel bad, no? How can I say no to my grandfather, poor fellow, or my grandmother, or to my father, or to my brother, my wife, my sister, my, you know? We feel bad to hurt them. We don't want to hurt them. But the question we have to ask ourselves, would I prefer hurting my wife? Oh. Would I prefer hurting my father or hurting God in heaven? And then I make the choice and say what I have to say and do what I have to do. And God will honor you. And you know what he'll do? He'll bring peace over the rest of those people. He'll bring a change of mind and heart over those people. And you won't have to contend with anything out of the way if we do the right things. See, whenever we do what is right by God's word, God who honors us also takes care of the other situations. It's very important. The Israelites were stuck with Pharaoh's army one side and the sea on the other. And they started shouting at more Moses, as always. You know, and they must have said, you know, they were saying all kinds of things. You brought us here to die now and we have no way of escape. See what you did and, you know, you, you're hopeless. You didn't know your directions. You brought us and we're stuck over here now. As though Moses knew where, which way to go north, south, east, west. Wherever God said go, he went. And now they landed here and the people are grumbling and we grumble like them. No? Ever so often we get caught up in a place and we say, this is not happening, you know, and I'm stuck here and then we pray and when we pray, we are looking for an opening and an answer according to ours. This is what God's going to do now. I prayed about it, brother. See, God says, I'm not like that. I don't work by your ways. He says, I work by my ways. And where you think there is no way, that's where I'll make a way for you. When God answers you, he answers us supernaturally, powerfully, miraculously. If that is not happening, 
then something's wrong with my asking. Because the Bible says we ask, but often we ask that we may consume it upon our lusts, on our desires, on the things we are wanting instead of needing. So it's very important that, you know, this fine line, I'm sorry that I'm talking about this fine line, but it's very important that we read this fine line. You know, I want to read a beautiful piece of scripture for you from Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, we'll just go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is so fabulous, you know. When I read it, I got so excited. I said, wow. How many people love to go to, to Jerusalem? We all loved it, right? We all desire to go to Jerusalem. We all want to go to Jerusalem because we know our Christ was born there. We want to see maybe those roads, maybe, I don't know, just to walk down that road, I don't know what would happen to me if I went there. You know, just remembering what, maybe Jesus walked on this road, Joseph, Mary, and I don't know. Oh my gosh, it's such a fabulous thing. But let me encourage you. Chapter 12 says, uh, verse 12 says, that at time we were without Christ, aliens, from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off, are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. In other words, you and I have become a part of the Israel nation, the chosen people of God, the family of God. They were not, they were also horrible. They did all sorts of nonsense. They did all sorts of rubbish. They always messed up in their lives. But because they were the children of God, God was with them. He corrected them. He punished them. But he restored them again. And again, and again, and again, and again. And we are now a part of that family in a better era of grace and power and authority given to us now. They didn't have it. But you and I have it. And I think sometimes back and I say, you know, people like Moses and Abraham and Jacob and, and Job and, oh my God, how did they walk like that without having the Spirit of God? You and I have the spirit of God. We have been, our spirits have been made new, washed, our sins are washed away. Uh, we have God's word to us and we still lack that kind of, you know, commitment and a certain, uh, you know, uh, surety and, and, you know, boldness and courage. We don't. I mean, you know, Job, he says, Lord, if I have not done anything or if I've done any wrong, let my hand fall off. Ooh, which of us can say that today? We'll be terrified to say that, no? Because the next thing that's going to happen is the hand's going to fall off. <laughs> Praise God. But you know, we've got to rise up to that place. Our walk is a constant rising up to that place. When a day will come, we will be in the image and likeness of our Savior Jesus Christ. And God expects it not only in the time when we go to be in that place, but to now to walk on this earth. That's why he says, every day you're looking into that mirror that is God's word. Changing, 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 changing. 
If we are not changing, then something is wrong with our mirror or something is wrong with us. We are looking in different places. God is saying, don't do that. The word of God is encouraging us actually, you know. We must, we have to be very, very careful about this walk. And Paul says, you know, imitate me like I imitate Christ. Wow. For somebody to have that confidence, it's astounding. It's astounding. But then, you know, he also says, also look out to those in the church that are examples and follow them. So, you see, what he's saying is, okay, I may not be able to rise up to the pastor standing, but there are other brothers who are still a little level higher than me. Let me try to rise up to that standard first. And then step by step by step, you'll reach this place. Yeah. We have to look to people who are examples of Christ living and imitate them. Follow their examples. That's the way we will move on. You know, in the world, everybody wants to be like, uh, what is that, Shah Rukh Khan and uh, all those guys, you know, and you see them, they dress like them, they talk like them, they act like them. Michael Jackson, oh my God. What a wasted way and wasted life to do those things. But we have to imitate children of God who are standing. Children of God who are who are walking with God every day. Yeah. Children of God who are doing those things that God did when he walked on this earth. Use them as examples. Yeah. Follow them closely. Yes. And you know, that's how you will grow. If the disciples had not stuck to Jesus, they wouldn't have done what they did. No? There were many, thousands of people who heard what Jesus preached. They heard the things and saw the things he did. They didn't do the things the apostles did. But the apostles, because they stuck to him no matter what. And they learned from looking at him, from looking at what he did, from listening to him, from watching him, how he sat, how he stood, how he talked with people, how he reacted with somebody, and they learned. And they followed his example. And a time came, people looking at them wanted to follow their example. Hallelujah. It's important that the church of God begins to wake up to this, this knowledge that, you know, I have to walk in the Spirit. Paul says, he says, you know, now that you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. You're alive in the Spirit because God has made you alive. Now you've got to walk. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, sadly, I keep hearing, often I hear a message on grace. Saying, once saved, always saved. If you're thinking like that, you got to think again. Because God's grace brought us out of our sin, out of death and hell, restored us, made us like him. Now, he expects you and me to continue in that same path. We can't fall back down and say, boy, it's okay, God, you know, he'll take care. No. If you read the scriptures, there are hundreds of verses that tell us, be careful. Don't sin. Your body is the temple of God, we heard today. 
you know, be holy as your father is holy. Refrain from evil speaking. Do not speak lies. Do not speak, do not sin. You know, he told the, 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 the adulterous woman, he said, where are your accusers? They said, she said, none are there, Lord. He said, neither do I accuse you, but go and sin no more. He didn't say go. Okay, I also don't know. Go. No, he said, sin no more. Don't go back to that sin. Like a pig that goes back to its wallowing or a dog to his vomit. Horrible thing to even think about. But sometimes we do that. And I love the way Paul says it. Oh my God, that verse. He says, how can you, after knowing God, God knowing you and having that kind of connection and having that kind of work in your life so many days, go back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world. Ooh. Weak and beggarly elements. You know, once you know the Lord, it's, if you turn back, I don't know. There's something drastically wrong. I think you need to be born again. Yes, seriously, I'm not joking. If you feel that, you know, you're not easily convicted, you're not easily aware of God's word, please come and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ again. Nothing wrong with it. Sometimes we do it because somebody said, come on, come on, give your life to Christ. Okay, okay. Yes, Lord. But we have not done it with our whole heart and soul. And that makes all the difference. It says, repent and be baptized. To repent means not to just say sorry, but to change my ways and not do it again. So it's very important that we follow that same route. That we make sure that we do not fall back. That we don't go back to those weak and beggarly elements. But stay with that wonderful you know, power and, and manifestation of God's presence with us always. Mark 14, 38. What does it say? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be sober, be vigilant. In Peter he says, be sober, be vigilant. No, that being sober meaning, you know, in, your, in all your senses. Being vigilant means always watching out, looking out. You know, we have, in the police, they have that uh, branch, you know, the vigilant branch. Why are they there? Because they are, they are the ones who go out looking for, you know, all these, uh, whatever, lawbreakers, whatever, I don't know. Anyway, but we got to be vigilant in our spiritual walk. We have something very important that God has given, a spirit of discernment. Where others cannot see and understand, you and I can. Make use of it. Make it come to the fore. Paul says, do that. Because, you know, we are not putting ourselves out to bring forth the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nothing's happening. No, not for me, no. Pastor will do. That brother will do. That sister will do. It's for everybody. Everyone, if you have received the Holy Spirit, you have received him in his wholeness with all the power and authority he possesses. And God wants us to rise up.
to that manner. Let's not be lazy. Let's not be complacent. Let's not be careless with what God has put in our trust. In the church, very important. In the church, you know, we sometimes we are very, uh, okay, pastor's cool, man, no problems, you know, we just do this. No, no, no. He may be whatever he is, but you have a great responsibility to God in the church. Not to your pastor. When you think you're doing for your pastor, you'll fail. But when you know you're doing it to God, you will succeed. And you'll give your very best. Very best. You have to give your best. Maybe your best may not be as good as my best, but that doesn't matter. Your best is what matters and God will look at it and honor you and bless you. And he will do mighty things through you when you speak and walk and talk. You know, you, you and I don't know. We don't know. But if we are people who are walking with God and you pass by a person who is possessed, that demon will start to react. 100%. He has to. Because he's afraid of who's coming close to him. <laughs> yeah. When Jesus came to Genesis, the Bible says that fellow came running out of the tomb and said, Why have you come here to torment me? Jesus didn't even know he was there actually. He came to preach the word here. But the devil knew. And you know, I love what I love about his confession. He said to Jesus, he said, please don't send us into the deep. Please don't send us into the deep. He knew that Jesus had the authority to send him to that place. But because the time was not yet, he said, send us in the swine. Jesus said, okay, go. I mean, how simple is that? How simple is that? Send us into the swine. Okay, go. When we have to do some, somebody's possession, oh, in the name of Jesus, get out, devil, who are you? And we make a big show about it. Jesus says, go, and he goes away. <laughs> yeah, when we, when we do something or we pray and somebody gets healed, we want to put it up on Facebook so that everybody will see. I prayed and that person got a miracle. Wow. Jesus healed that fellow and said, don't go and tell anybody now. <laughs> we advertise it to the whole world. No? That's the difference. We've got to get out of that mindset and get into the mind of God and the mind of Christ. Who can do it? Only us who have the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. We have the mind of Christ. We can and say, do all these things. We can refrain from falling into our natural selves every single day. So we've got to be careful. Be careful starting here in the church. Don't be careless with your work, with your commitments, you know, responsibilities. You're not doing it for pastor. You're not doing it for the church. You're doing it for God. And when you do it for God with a sincere heart, who sees? Pastor doesn't see. But God sees. And then when pastor's praying quietly, God says, hey, listen, that fellow, you know, I want you to bless him. Yeah. Or somebody else. But as long as I understand my doing, my saying, my walk is concerned with God alone, I will do it right. I will do it right. When I think I'm doing it for pastor and for brother and sister and somebody else, 
I'm going to fail in my doing. Because then, I, Pastor Dilip, I know him yeah, very well. Pastor, sorry, I, I cannot do today. I cannot come today. I cannot be there tomorrow. You know, okay. So Pastor Dilip is a good guy. He said, okay, okay, never mind. But does God honor that? The question is, he may excuse you. Does God excuse you? Because when Miriam spoke against Moses and became a leper, Moses said, Lord, forget her. Please, Moses was that guy. He spoke for the million, so he spoke for his sister. Please, please, Lord. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. She will pay the price. Send her out seven days. He says, but for your sake, and this is a fantastic thing, and I always say it, for your sake, I will not blot out her name from the Lamb's book of life. Oh, my God. That puts fear in me to walk a narrow path. You know why? That tells me our names can be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Don't ever think that I got saved, now I'm okay, I'll relax, go back to my old life. Sorry, you will not make it in the end. Paul says, I am preaching to you, but I've got to be careful lest I preach to you, you be saved and I might lose out in the end. If Paul thinks he might lose out, you and I have a long way to go. I tell you, really, oh my God, I've got to be very careful with my every day. From the moment I open my eyes till the night I close my eyes, I've got to be on my guard. I've got to be on the tightrope. I've got to be focused, sober, vigilant, careful, and obedient, and honest with myself. When I do these things, I'll be able to walk in the Spirit as I am alive in the Spirit. Receiving not only, you know, blessing my life, but blessing all those around me too. Anybody around you will get blessed too, automatically. That's how it will be. The power of God that will exude from you will touch everybody else. It'll come upon everybody else. And that's what our lives are all about. Walking with God, seeing the miracle signs, wonders, power, being obedient, careful, blessing the church, blessing our peoples, blessing our homes. Uh, you know, many times fathers and, and, you know, I'm talking to the fathers now because many times fathers go home and then, you know, relax. Ah, Aram says, hello, we are home now. We relax, get, read, uh, something. Fathers, we are responsible for what happens over our home. If I trust in the Lord, stand with the Lord, walk with the Lord, confess correctly, do what God loves, the blessing will come upon my home and family. If I'm careless, the problems will come upon my home and family. I am responsible. God's going to hold us responsible. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. You know, so I would encourage you to, you know, think about your walk as walking a tightrope. A narrow path. Don't worry about people saying you're very narrow-minded. Say, thank God, praise God. That's a great testimony. Great testimony. Because you see that I'm different. Not like the world. Unfortunately, the world is so, you know, we have to love everybody. You know, Jesus said, love everybody. Forgive everybody. So it's okay, you know. Whatever they do, whatever their problems, doesn't matter. We have to love them. Jesus also loved us. But he didn't tolerate the wrong we did. And he corrected us very severely. And he corrected them very severely. He didn't, he didn't hate the Pharisees. He hated what they were doing. 
So it's very important that we do these things the way Christ has taught us and be blessed every day. Every day, I tell you, it's not about the, the amount of people in the church. It's about the amount of power that God brings into the church and through the church upon the people. When that happens, you'll have to keep those doors open. There's no way it's going to be closed. You know, Paul says we don't preach the word by word, but by the power of God. And the people who saw, they said, oh my gosh, they just followed them. They didn't know who they were. They just went behind them. After, days after days, even another time when Jesus said, you know, apostles said, they've been three days now following you, send them home. They don't have food. Three days. Families and everybody. No, 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 come on, come on. Something's going to happen. Let's go with him. Let's hear what he has to say. Hallelujah. And how does Jesus cap it off? By feeding them with miraculous way. What more could they have asked for, you know? I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, amazing. So we have to be careful. Remember the testimonies God has done in your life. Remember those things that God has done good in your life so that they may be like stepping stones for you to raise up yourself when you feel down. When you feel, you know, um, down and alone and and a little depressed, think about what God has already done. Yes. Excite yourself with that. Encourage yourself with that. Don't say, you know, oh, nobody talks to me, you know, ah, brother, nobody calls me. I'm all alone. You're all alone because you choose to be. If you wake up and you start confessing correctly, even if you're alone, you'll think you're in a crowd of people that love the Lord. The joy of the Lord will not leave you. The peace of God will not leave you. The courage and hope and, and all those things of God will not leave you. It's me that brings myself down. And nobody else. I can't blame anybody else. I've got to blame myself. So let us, let us just, you know, maybe take time to, to think about these things. To meditate on these things and say, Lord, I need, Holy Spirit, I need a little bit of help from you, you know. You are there to provoke me, to convict me. Please do so that I may walk a narrow path. Help me when I'm going astray, you know. Tell me that it's wrong. Let that, let that knowledge from within, let me hear what the Spirit says. You know, that's also a beautiful thing. When Jesus walked on the earth, he said it many times. He who has yours, let him hear. He who has yours, let him hear. The day he died and rose again, he said, he who has yours to hear what the Spirit says. Amen. Hallelujah. So he's saying what I was saying you were hearing, now hear what the Spirit says. It's the same thing. We have to hear what the Spirit says. He's going to tell you good things. Things that will lift you up. Verses that will encourage you. Put fire in your heart. Don't get lazy in the manner of, you know, relaxing in the Lord. No, every day should be in a day of excitement. God is going to do something new today. God is going to do something new today. Oh my gosh, it never ends with the Lord. It never ends with the Lord. The, the, the testimonies and the things God does every day, it just, it just excites us more and more. And the excitement will show in your face. It'll show in your life. It'll show in your health. It'll show in your church. It'll show in your friends, in your family and everywhere else. You know, 
They say smile because when you smile, everybody else smiles. No? Uh, you laugh. They have that laughing therapy, you know. One fellow laughs, everybody starts laughing. It's a natural instinct. You can't help it, really. Some people laugh so funnily, you'll just laugh with them. Or you hear a baby laughing, you laugh. You can't help it. We have to have that look on our face that makes others feel peace and joy and happiness and encouragement and strength and boldness and come into that place where they know, I know where I'm walking, how I'm walking, and I'm going to continue like this. Doesn't matter if the rest don't come along. That's okay. I'm going to do it. So praise God for, you know, His Holy Spirit, for His precious Word that helps us. And if we are aware and constantly read, study, Bible says study. You know, it's not only saying it to the preachers, saying it to everybody, study. To show yourself a workman worthy of dividing the word of God rightly. That's very important. You can study. I know people, I met a man who knew the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Believe me. You say one word, he'll tell you which chapter, which line, which verse. I was stunned at his knowledge of God's word. And I spoke to him for about 15 minutes. And I was amazed. And, after, and I shared some of my testimonies with him, a little bit of what... And when I finished, I said, okay, uh, I'll, he was a dean of a very big Bible college. And when I got up to go, he said to me, he said, brother, please pray for me. I said, hallelujah. He saw something different in my walk to his walk. He said, you pray for me. And I said, is there anything you want me to pray for? And suddenly he listed out so many things, I was stunned. I said, you know Genesis to Revelation. And where did all this other stuff come from? But that's how it is. Let not it be knowledge. It must be life to us. Life to us. Somebody said, Brother, I have Bible, you know, at home. I keep it very carefully on my special shelf. I have a beautiful, uh, what is that thing, cloth there, and I keep my Bible there, and I keep it very carefully. I said, why you do all that? No, Holy Bible, no, brother. I said, who told you it's a Holy Bible? No, it's written on it, Holy Bible. I said, you can write anything you want on that book. I said, it's holy and it's life when you start walking by it. Until then, it's just a book printed in some place and left over there. These Bibles are printed in gullies in India. But when you put it into action, it becomes life and power and all the things God has called it to be. So, you know, when we say, your word, O oh Lord, can never fade away. We're not talking about the, 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 the what do you call it? The, the real natural, this natural printed word. We're talking about the word life. The word that is life. We're talking about those things. So please don't get caught up with, you know, things that really don't matter. Let your life be filled with the things that matter. And it will be a rich life. A life of all the good things that God has in store. So let us close, let us pray, and, you know, let us ask God to help us in this little walk, that this desire, let this be a desire of our heart. Let it be that thing that, you know, we want God to help us with, so that the Holy Spirit who hears what you ask will then start to bring it to pass in your life. Amen? Let us bow our heads and say, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your dear Holy Spirit. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the instruction 
for the for the examples that are before us we thank you for all these things that can help us to rise up to that high calling you have inside of us lord we can rise up to doing what is good and right in your sight oh lord to walking a path of filled with the power and might of god oh father and i pray dear holy spirit that you would bring to our remembrance that <clears throat> that you would provoke us that you would convict us every step of every way oh lord so that we may walk in the path desired by you that we may enter in by that straight gate into the narrow way keeping our eyes focused being sober being vigilant watching and praying so that we may not fall prey to sin and its deceitfulness oh lord i pray grant us wisdom and continue to grow us as we read your word and study your word help us with revelation knowledge understanding let the word enter in that it may bring light and give wisdom to our simple minds we ask father that in these things you guide and lead us in jesus name amen hello this is nisha dilip koshi i'm sure this podcast has blessed you do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected may god bless you